we need to go deeper in the word of righteousness. Do you realize the book that you hold in your hands? Do you realize what you have? It is what the writer of Hebrews calls the word of righteousness. Words communicate. What you hold in your hand is a communication from a transcendent God who has chosen to reveal himself through words. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. There's a passage at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis in The Last Battle where the old Narnia has been recreated and the people and the animals are just entering their new world. C.S. Lewis wrote this, You may have been in a room in which there was a window that looked out on a lovely bay of the sea or a green valley that wound among the mountains. And in the wall of that room, opposite to the window, there may have been a looking glass. And as you turned away from the window, you suddenly caught sight of that sea or that valley all over again in the looking glass. And the sea in the mirror or the valley in the mirror were in one sense just the same as the real ones. Yet at the same time, they were somehow different, deeper, more wonderful, more like places in a story. In a story you have never heard, but very much want to know. The difference between the old Narnia was like that. The new one was a deeper country. Every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If you ever get there, you will know what I mean. Well, maybe you can identify with those occasional glimpses you've caught, snatches of something better and more real. Maybe it's happened in an especially meaningful time of worship or prayer or reading God's word. Today on Resonate, we'll continue our series titled Deeper. Pastor Trent challenges us to go deeper in the word. Let me make sure that uh, as we continue here, you've brought the proper equipment. How many of you brought some equipment with you this morning? Lift those Bibles up. Let's see them. Fantastic. Now, how many of you were holding up a phone? (laughs) It counts. Okay. Open your app to Hebrews chapter 5. Or open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 5, and uh, we're going to continue to go deeper. That's our theme this year, and we're excited about the fact that God is growing His church bigger. That's His responsibility, so we're setting our course this year to grow deeper. That's our responsibility. If you've been playing in the kiddie pool and you've been playing in the shallow end, we want to go deeper together. No hot tub Christians sitting around just kind of enjoying drinks with little umbrellas sticking out of them. We have got some pursuit uh, to be a part of as we pursue the Lord and draw near to Him. Now, if we are going to draw deeper, then we are going to have to dig deeper into the Word of God. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how to go deeper in God's word. Let's begin reading here in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, and uh, let's begin reading in verse 11. We'll read down to verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says, about this, we have much to say. The writer of Hebrews is trying to make an analogy about this very cryptic, Old Testament, mystic dude named Melchizedek. Awesome name for an Old Testament dude, right? Melchizedek is, is this picture of 
of the high priestly office of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the mediator between God and man, and he stands in the gap between holiness and unholiness. And, and the writer of Hebrews has got a lot to say about this. Do, do you realize that preachers have a lot to say about things like this? Uh, that's my job, and so I got a lot to say. And uh, my job's kind of hard. He, he even says that in verse 11. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. A little sympathy for the preacher. Some of this stuff's in, in this book's hard to explain. It's hard. Let me, let me ask you for a little more sympathy because let me let you know why it's hard to explain. The next part of verse 11. Since you have become dull of hearing. You see, it's really not that hard to explain to people who want to hear it and want to lean into it. People that want to go deeper. Man, that's a joy for people that have hard things to explain about the deeper truths of the scripture. So uh, we're gonna go deeper. Hopefully your ears are not dull of hearing. Verse 12 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Underline that three-word phrase, the word of righteousness, there in verse 13. Since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we need to go deeper in the word of righteousness. Do you realize the book that you hold in your hands? Do you realize what you have? It is what the writer of Hebrews calls the word of righteousness. Words communicate. What you hold in your hand is a communication from a transcendent God who has chosen to reveal himself through words. It is the self-disclosure of this transcendent being that you and I otherwise would know nothing about unless he had chosen to disclose himself through words. And it's called the word of righteousness. The only way we can have righteousness. To be righteous means to be in right relationship with God. And so the way that we learn to be in right relationship, righteousness, is through reading, believing, responding to, and obeying the words that are contained in this book that we call the Bible. Let's talk about that. What, what is this book? There's a lot of discussion about what this book is. Do you understand what you have here? Uh, just let it blow your mind for a minute here. It is, it is a human book. It's also a divine book. It's human in the sense that it was written by human authors, over 40 human authors who lived on three different continents that wrote over a time span of 1,500 years in three different languages that nobody in this room speaks. Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. 
Aren't you glad for some really smart dudes that know Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic that also know English? And we're able to translate those into English words so that we could read them in our own language. I'm grateful for people that do that for me because I don't know those languages. And so what we have in our hands is an English translation of words that were given by God to over 40 human authors and they are preserved for us in this book we call the Bible. It is a human book in the sense that it has human authors that were divinely inspired to write down accurately everything God wanted for us to know about him. We read about that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, where Peter, who walked with Christ for three years, listened to Christ's teaching for three years, and saw all the miracles that Christ did, he said this, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. So what we have is the testimony, the eyewitness testimony of those that lived and moved and saw and heard from Jesus and even before Jesus, those that prophesied about Jesus. So what we have is an eyewitness account. The Bible is inspired. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we read a su such an important uh, understanding, an important verse for our understanding of the Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That is, that is an important phrase, to be breathed out in the same sense that right now I am breathing out words. The air in my lungs is being forced over vocal cords and going through my lips and tongue and forming words. In the same sense, God wants us to know that is what we hold in our hands. We have a God-breathed word from Him. The Bible is inspired. Not only is it inspired, it is true. The Bible is true. How do we know it's true? Jesus said it was true when he was praying to his father in John chapter 17. He was praying for you that God would sanctify you in truth. Oh, really? Where do we find truth? Your word is truth. So the Bible is true. The miracles in the Bible are true. The oracles in the Bible are true. And anything that contradicts what the Bible says is true is what you should consider a myth or a lie. And at many different points in your life, you're going to be confronted with claims that are true and opinions and philosophies and worldviews, and they claim to be true. We measure every truth claim against the absolute standard of truth. And if it doesn't pass the test of truth, we reject it as a myth and a lie, and we hold up the standard of truth. What we have is a Bible that is true. It's inspired, it's true, and the Bible is alive. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, the word of God is living and active. It's not like a Shakespearean play. It's not like a Mark Twain novel. It is alive. All those authors are dead. It's alive because the author is alive. The word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Think of a surgeon's scalpel piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit. That's the immaterial part of you. 
That's the part of you that we can't put our hands on. It's, it's your soul, it's your spirit. And that's where the truth of God's word penetrates to. And also to the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So there are times that my soul, my spirit, my thoughts, my intentions are, are infected with disease and cancer. And God's word has to do some surgery to take that out. And it's painful at times. Somebody said sitting through a harvest sermon is kind of like open heart surgery with no anesthetic. Maybe you feel that way from time to time. And, and he's like, no, we're going we're gonna to put you back together because God's word not only cuts you, it heals you. God's word is inspired. God's word is true. God's word is alive. And God's word is authoritative. 2 Timothy 3, 16 again says, not only is scripture breathed out by God, but it's profitable for four things, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, if all you want the Bible to do is teach you, you're going to live in the shallow end of the pool. If you're a person that wants the Bible to reprove you and correct you and train you, now you're going to get to the deep end of the pool. Anybody want to go deeper into the word? That's right. It's not about becoming smarter. It's about becoming deeper in the word. So apparently shallowness was a problem back in Bible times, kind of the way it is here. And um, the writer of Hebrews kind of addressed it. And he tells them, if you want to go deeper, you're going to need four things. The first thing you're going to need is you're going to need sharper ears. You see that verse, verse 11, the problem was, is they had become dull of hearing. That doesn't mean that they couldn't understand it. That means that they didn't want to obey it. And they had lost their sense of wonder over this revelation of God. You see, shallow Christians read the Bible. That, that's not a big thing. Congratulations if you've read the Bible. That's great. Fantastic. If you want to go deeper, You've got to get to the point where you want the Bible to read you. Shallow Christians reduce the Bible to a list of do's and don'ts. But deeper Christians understand the truth underneath the do's and the don'ts. And deeper Christians do and don't because they understand the life-giving power of living a life in right relationship with God. Shallow Christians read the Bible like a self-help book. I really need to figure out my marriage. I really need to, to figure out what to do with money. Maybe I can get a little inspiration today since I'm kind of down and depressed. That's the way a shallow Christian reads the Bible. But a deeper Christian reads the Bible like a real-life drama. It's history and drama. It has a hero. It has a villain. Deeper Christians find themselves in the story. The problem for many of us is we have grown dull of hearing the old familiar stories. We read the Bible, but we know how it ends every time. Noah goes into the ark. And every time Jonah gets swallowed by the well, 
And every time Jesus walks on the water and every time Peter sinks, and after a while, you just kind of get bored with it, right? I mean, at some point, it, it might fire up our, our lives a little bit if, if this time Jesus sank and Peter walked on the water for crying out loud, you know? Like, why do I have to listen to the same old stories? I come and listen to the same sermons. You tr- you're getting to the point. You never say anything new. It's just the same old stuff. And, and if somehow you've become dull of hearing, it's because you don't see yourself in the story, Deeper Christians understand what they're reading about is not just Jonah and Noah and Peter. They're reading about themselves. And you and I see ourselves on every page of Scripture because we see the gospel of Jesus on every page of Scripture. If you want to go deeper, you've got to read the Bible, seeing yourself in the story. Shallow Christians are bored with the Bible because they know how it ends. Deeper Christians see themselves in the story. But these people had become dull of hearing. I heard a message by a pastor named Greg Gilbert. He was preaching to the student body of Cedarville University, and he was challenging them, knowing I'm in a Christian university. A lot of these kids grew up hearing the stories, and and he was trying to get them to understand the wonder and the amazement and to go deeper into the scriptures, and he said it in a way that I can't improve on. This is what he said. When you start reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're reading a story that has a grand narrative arc. Everybody say grand narrative arc. What theologians call that is the meta-narrative of Scripture. To make the complex simple, the Bible only has one story from cover to cover. And he goes on to try to explain this to these college students. It's a story of powerful kings, destroyed hopes and crowns cast to the ground and then reclaimed with swords falling from bloody hands and then been picked up by another royal hand to finish what was started. It's a story of bony fingered prophets pointing down through history while city walls crash and the ground and gates smash to the ground. Temples are burned to the ground. It's a story of clashing kingdoms, shattered covenants, treason, rebellion, curses, promises. It's a story rich in cryptic symbols that don't mean anything in the beginning, but then over centuries expand in meeting until they swirl together and finally rest on One man, a carpenter in Nazareth, who one day is building houses and maybe ships with his father, and the next day he's riding into his nation's ancient capital city to lay claim to a crown and a throne that has not even existed for over 600 years. The story goes on. A week later, he's betrayed by one of his best friends. He's accused of crimes. He's unjustly judged. He's sentenced to death. He's tortured on a cross. He's laid in a grave. You know where this is going. He comes out of the grave and starts a movement that sweeps across the world, establishing churches that plant churches that planted a church called Harvest Bible Chapel where there's a guy standing in the pulpit telling the story that you showed up to listen to this morning. That's the story of the Bible. 
Why are you bored with it? It's a story that is not just a story. It's real. It's not a novel. It is real history that you and I are part of. And it's a plot that you and I know well. And yet we continue to be a part of that story every day. Have you become dull of hearing that story? Like these Christians in Hebrews, have you failed to be convinced that you need to go deeper? Have you failed to be amazed at God's grace that he would even speak to people like us? Have you failed to see the importance of the cross of Christ as the epicenter of human history as God came down vertically to put us in right relationship with him and deal with our sin horizontally on that cross and make us right with God? Have you failed to be moved to action, to change in response to that incredible grace that he has given you and me? About 10 years ago, Andrew and I were able to buy our first house. We actually built our, our, our first house and, and we actually bought a piece of dirt. It was an acre lot. It was a wooded acre. It had hundreds of trees on it. So the first expense on the house was I went down to the store and I bought the mother of all chainsaws. Okay, because the first thing that needed to happen to build this house is all the trees had to go away. So I got a couple of buddies and, and we got out there with our chainsaws and we just started cutting trees. And I noticed like I'm on like the second tree all my buddies are like on their 10th tree. And I'm out there wrestling with this chainsaw in this tree and there's smoke coming out of the tree where the, 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 the chain is actually meeting the wood and I'm not actually cutting the tree, I'm now burning the tree. And I'm like, well, this dumb chainsaw, what's wrong with that? I took it back to the store and they said, did you put oil on it? Did you put oil in the chainsaw? Because there, it distributes oil as the chain operates and it it lubricates it so it reduces the friction so that the chain doesn't get dull. Not didn't know anything about the oil, so they gave me a little oil. And man, I started racing through those trees because the chain stayed sharp because of the oil. Do you understand the symbol of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is oil? If you come to church or you open your Bible and try to read it without the oil, um, your ear will get dull just like my chain got dull. And it'll begin to create some friction and it's actually going to hurt the ear. You need the oil of the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word, to give you ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us as the church. And so you need sharper ears. Anybody need sharper ears? You want to go deeper, you got to have sharper ears. So let's ask God for sharper ears. And then not only that, but bigger vision. Look at verse 12. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. Now, how many of you, when you think about the oracles of God, you put those in the category of basic principles. Isn't that a little bit of a contradiction there? The basic principles of the oracles of God. The word oracle simply means the revelation of God or the record of God, the, the communication, the words that God has given us. Well, there are some basic things that you should 
know about the scriptures that helps you interpret what you're reading. They're basic principles. But apparently there were some people that after some time should have known these things. They ought to have been able to communicate them to others, but they couldn't. By this time, you ought to be teachers. Could I lovingly say to you as your pastor, there's some people in this room that ought to be teachers, but you can't because you haven't gone deep enough. The greater tragedy is people that ought to be teachers, but you won't because you're too busy consuming rather than distributing. You need a greater vision. And so you have to have a greater vision to get the basic principles of the oracles of God beyond your ears into your heart and out your mouth into somebody else's ears. What are those basic principles? Could I ask you? Let's, let's see if you're qualified to be a teacher. Could you tell me the basic outline of the Bible in maybe four sentences or maybe four words. Could you do that? Uh, here it is. Creation, fall, redemption, recreation. We're still waiting for the fourth one, right? We're living in between the redemption and the, and the recreation. That's the storyline. That's the plot line of the Bible. That is the basic principles of the oracles of God. If we expand that out and make it a little more personal, we would say it this way. God is holy. Man is sinful. Christ is Savior. Repent and believe. What happens after I repent and believe? You re-repent and re-believe every time you hear the truth that God is holy, man is sinful, Christ is Savior. Repent and believe. That's the meta-narrative of the Bible. That is the overarching principle that helps us to see ourselves and Christ on every page through the outline of the Bible. And we know the epicenter of all of it is the story of the cross. What happened on the cross? Four things. Jesus died on that cross in my place as a substitute for my sin. That is not the first time I have said those things. I say those things almost in every message. How many have heard me say those things before? You ought to be teachers because you've been well taught. And there are small groups that need small group leaders. And there are counselors that need biblical counselors. And there are young married people that need mentors. There are women that need older women to sit in groups and lead them. Some of you ought to be pastors. Some of you ought to be missionaries. But you're not. You know why? You're content to play in the shallow end of the pool. God's calling you deeper. God's Word is inspired, true, alive, and authoritative. Pastor Trent Griffith has been challenging us from Hebrews chapter 5 to go deeper in the Word. We'll hear the conclusion of this message next week. I hope you'll join us then. Harvest Bible Chapel is committed to helping you go deeper in your walk with God this year. Would you like to go deeper in 2018? 
for you, that can mean a more consistent time of reading God's Word. It might mean being more intentional about attending church regularly. Do you have a church home? And if not, you're invited to visit us at Harvest Bible Chapel, either in St. Joseph, Michigan or Granger, Indiana. You can find details about our service times and locations on our website, harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. And be sure to check out our Facebook page by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart and mind as you go deeper in His Word. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.